Hello there, and welcome to Ox Talks. These podcasts, powered by Oxlep, the local enterprise partnership for Oxfordshire, and sponsored by leading national law firm Mills and Reeve, explore many current issues affecting the world of work, as well as highlighting the invaluable help that Oxlep offers and how they could potentially help your business thrive. I'm Howard Bentham, and throughout the series, I'll be talking to leaders from Oxfordshire with a proven track record of success, hearing their advice and practical steps, which could help take your organisation to the next level. All of my guests are keen to stress the critical support that is available from Oxlab and how it could be fundamental in helping your company or organisation prosper. Naturally, as the local enterprise partnership for Oxfordshire, our focus is on local businesses and issues in these episodes. However, you may well be listening to us elsewhere. Many of the issues we experience here are very likely to be very similar to the ones that you're potentially facing where you are. With that in mind, do please share any thoughts and observations and join in the conversation. Head to our social channels. We are at Oxfordshire Lep on X and Oxfordshire Local Enterprise Partnership on LinkedIn. And to raise questions with us for future discussions, please use the email address in the podcast description. It'll be good to hear from you. In this edition, our focus is on leadership, more specifically, how to lead by example, shaping leaders of the future. Almost everyone that has ever had a job will have had a boss. In the simplest of scenarios, they are the person who gives you your instructions and keep you focused on the task at hand. Bosses can be much maligned and have to manage the delicate balance between the metaphorical carrot and stick. They have to inspire, cajole, motivate, be a great speaker and an even better listener. Balance the books, work within the law, be creative and see the bigger picture. Be a driving force as well as keeping everyone safe. They hold the power to hire and fire, offering job security and a future for staff, or having to let employees go when circumstances dictate. When you hear that list, it is clear that is an awful lot to place on one person's shoulders. Authority always comes with responsibility. Treat people as you would wish to be treated yourself, but it clearly isn't easy. Why do many bosses get it wrong? What is it that makes the great managers genuinely great? Our Oxtalks guest certainly has the leadership X factor. He's excelled in sectors such as venture capital, investment and business development at home as well as overseas. He's an award winner too, being named the Cherwell Business Person of the Year in 2019 and just last year picking up the Autocar Award as an outstanding UK leader. He is the founder and boss of arguably the centre of excellence for the historic motoring industry in the UK. I'm delighted to welcome to Ox Talks from Bista Motion and Bista Heritage Chief Executive Dan Gagan. Dan, welcome. Before we talk about you uh, and your story, I think it would be worth contexting what it is that you've created at Bista Motion and Bista Heritage. Not everyone will be aware that we have something very special indeed nestled into that corner of Oxfordshire. Tell us more. 
Well, that's uh, a very nice way of putting it. We set out on a journey about 10 years ago, in fact it is 10 years ago this year, to create a centre of excellence which would be a focal point but also celebrate the skills around the historic car world. And with that in mind, we found a site just outside of Bicester on the ring road there, which was the former RAF station, RAF Bicester, which uh, is well over 100 years old now but um, has found a new future. And give us an idea of the impact that your business has had on Bicester itself and the wider Oxfordshire economy. Well, I think rescuing a site which was derelict, uh, it had last been used in 1976, but with a, a sustainable business plan has been really exciting for us. It's been really exciting for the area. But I guess in terms of you know, sort of hard facts, we have brought 50 brand new businesses to Bista. Um, we have around 500 people on site working. And of course, there are many more engaged in the classic car industry, which is thought to be around 18 billion pounds to the UK economy. Uh, and so I, I guess the entrance into the life of Bista Heritage, when you walk through that historic RAF station entrance, slightly belies the vibrancy and real excitement that is going on there for quite a significant sector of the UK economy. I love the passion. I can feel the passion uh, about the, the setup you've got there. The thing that sort of troubles me here is that how come you are where you are with uh, Bista Motion? You've got there via the world of venture capital, management buyouts and corporate discipline. Your previous life was nothing like the life you have now. This is almost like the old Monty Python gag that I want to be a lion tamer via banking and insurance. <laughs> I think there are some common themes in uh, my career. A lot of that is about passion projects, getting excited about something. And I've always enjoyed starting businesses, that, that sort of naught to 60, let's get going, let's solve a problem, let's not sleep until we've, we've got somewhere uh, and, and bring people along with you. And that's always been part of what I've been doing. And I guess the other side in a more formal way or formal description is business development. I, I like piecing together businesses, um, having found an opportunity and try and do things in a an un uncomplicated, unpolitical, straightforward way just to get the customer what they deserve uh, when you promised it would be delivered for the the values that you had promoted. And, and that's always been important to me. Our focus, obviously, in this podcast is leadership. Have you always wanted to be a leader? It wasn't until I got the invitation to be here today, I, I, I really thought about leader and what that meant. And I guess it has lots of definitional you know challenges as to what a, a leader is and I've always liked to do my own thing and try and bring people along with me and I, I guess that is the the nub of it is not following the crowd not being afraid to be a disruptor but challenging ourselves to do things better I suppose, and um, and so I was grateful for the for the sort of the question because it, it really got my brain working as to what does leadership really mean. So, give us an idea of how old you were then when you were the boss for the the first time. Paint the picture. Uh, so I grew up in a family business. It was in the automotive industry, and I think I set up my first you know trestle table outside the the family business, uh, and was selling uh, packets of crisps that I'd taken from my mother's drawer, um, probably at the age of ten, I think. <laughs> and uh, aside from the tuck shop, then <laughs> where, where was <laughs> where was the next serious business that you? Um, I think the first serious business followed a, a meeting um, with. Uh, quite a well-known venture capitalist at the time, but uh, from the Netherlands. And 
he asked me uh, some aspects of the automotive industry. So I, I acquired the rights for an automotive component and then I uh, put it back into production having gained its exclusivity and I distributed that. And so I set up a business which was trading internationally in small numbers, but it enabled lots of conversations and lots of doors to be opened. And that was probably when I was about 14. And then I put myself through university because that led to another thing in looking at brokering and historic vehicle brokering. Uh, and that took me along a path to be invited to join a company that was in the venture capital business. And they were well known for starting businesses and having a real shortage of horizons and plenty of blue skies. So they, they, they were really, really good at backing um, ideas and allowing energy and, and opportunity to produce something that hopefully would work. Surely you weren't ready for the challenges at 14. That, that's, that's amazing. I think when you grow up in a family business and those conversations around the lunch table during the summer holidays, really that becomes your vernacular. That's the way you, you talk and you understand what customers want and hear the trials and tribulations of, of running business. Um, I think for some people that may not have been a natural fit, but for some reason it appealed to me and I really enjoyed working with my father and talking to people and those conversations led to other conversations which have brought me here today. When you see yourself as a leader, I think about people listening or watching the podcast right now or a potential leader, but are in a subordinate role, how difficult is it to work, if you like, to, to someone else's tune that you don't particularly want to sing along to? Uh, I, I found it difficult, um, personally. So I, I found it relatively easy to sign up to the, the corporate mission and to be part of a team that was trying to affect a change, to transform something, to co-create. But of course, it seems obvious really, but we're all personalities and we all need to be able to represent our own views and our values and join a culture that respects that. And so I'm very sympathetic to building teams that really want to be part of that co-creation. But it can be very difficult. And, you know, I, I went to work for one corporation um, after university and felt it quite difficult to find the fit and the drive. It may suit some people. It, it didn't suit me. And now we have a team at Bista Motion where we have a really close knit group of people who base their involvement, I hope, on enjoyment, being part of a community, being proud of what we do. Um, it's good for the career too, because it's it's such a unique business and we're on such a growth path that it, look, it, it can really help that career progression in the more formal sense. Um, but at the end of the day, we all want to get up in the morning and, and really want to achieve. And it's impossible to excel if you don't enjoy what you're doing. Are there particular styles of leadership in your view? I think I can probably look at it in in, in the negative sense, um, at least from a photographic point of view, which is that things I don't think work very well are micromanagement, um, not allowing freedom of discussion and pressurising to create something that is not well thought through. So I guess in positive terms that you might talk about empowerment nowadays, good communication, supporting people's strengths and protecting their weaknesses and and really trying to set the business and the individuals up for success 
you know, we all know um, that we have positives and negatives and things we do well and things we don't do well. Uh, and what we try and do is pass the right ball to the right person. And and when that isn't allowed or can't be avoided because we're shorthanded or something has to happen in a certain way, in a certain time frame, then making sure that there is a support system around that. We don't get it right all the time, but we go at it in a very sort of open and honest fashion to ensure that we all want to turn up in the morning. How would you, you sum up your style then? Are you, are you from the, a top-down man or you're bottom-up? It's, it's fascinating to, to get inside your mind here. I don't think there's a training course for this, and you can, you can listen, we can all Google what does it take to be a leader. But I, I think, it's for me, it's down to values. Do we trust each other? Is our company moral? What are we, how are we treating the customer? Are they part of our process or are they at the core of what we do? And I think that... What I'd like to believe is that we all share those values, uh, that there is, you know, I often say there, you know, when you live in an area, you might, will, will, if you drive into a ditch, will somebody, you know, come and pull you out? Um, does, does somebody clear the snow on your driveway um, because you're unable to do so yourself? And I, I think we very much have that kind of organisation, which is built on mutual respect and trying to define success and make sure that we're as supported as we can be to to deliver that. Yeah, I guess you've talked about trust crucially. I, I'd need to ask all your employees uh, <laughs> the same question. But I guess for any manager, the, the proof of the pudding is in, in the eating, isn't it? The staff retention, happy workforce, a thriving business. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's hard to get it right all the time because... I worked out that um, when you're growing fast, you're under-resourced. People are trying to do more than one job. There's not always enough time. And that creates time. a lot of pressure on people. It does. And we, because we feel responsible, because we're those types of people, we don't want to let the team down. And the key for me is, is not to exploit it, but to try and support it. But that's something I've had to learn. We had a very fast growth phase in our first five years. Uh, and effectively, we were a handful of people all doing different jobs. It was brilliant because we all knew everything that was going on and we broadened our skills. But not bringing on assistance and help and support and, and the team early enough put us all under pressure. Uh, and of course, it doesn't take a lot for that pressure to show. We were very fortunate that in our business environment, we had portals where, where we could call, I suppose, ports in the storm where we could anchor and, and figure things out. But um, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a real challenge. Of course, if your business is not going well, it's the same. You are um, trying to solve your problem and you have the responsibility of all of these people working with you and for you, customers who have an expectation. So the pressures are quite intense, whether you're growing or whether you are fanning the flames of a fire inadvertently. Mm. I'm intrigued to know whether you need to have a grounding in the particular industry that, that you're in to be a good leader in that particular industry. Can, can you, if you like, be parachuted in with the, the management skills? I've wondered that too. <laughs> because I, I, I observe other businesses and there are senior executives, um, in fact, not just executives, I think across the board, people who somehow can march into a situation and figure it out and work for the, the objective uh, and solve that problem. And I think that's probably born of, um, I guess the entrepreneur would say intuition, but intuition I think is born of experience and having clarity of vision and strategic objective 
and that ability to, I guess, check that you've been successful. So I think there are skills, yes. I think it works for us because we're impassioned and we have a vision and we like to march up a hill and plant our flag on and not take things for granted. But I think it would be difficult for our business to be as successful without that sense of drive uh, that has really come from us being a startup. You know, we, we started a business, a new idea that was a disruptor in a sector. And it has been successful, but it, it was not always predicted to be so by some observers, which, of course, makes you more determined. Right. Yeah. So it's a, a little bit of the siege mentality as well, is there in there? Well, I think so. In a, in if somebody a way tells that, you they can't do it, you're going to do it. Yeah, there's, there's. Um, I mean, I think you've got to be careful not to be bloody minded about it because we're all about providing a solution that people didn't know they wanted. So that latent need is, uh, you know, quite a tricky thing. So we're always having to prophesize and think what's happening next and invent some of the future and bring our team and also our stakeholders along to to help support that vision. You talk about the team. What qualities do you look for in a leader? Uh, and in turn, does that impact on your recruitment strategy? Yeah, I mean, I'm, again, it's a, it's a learned thing. I mean, when we, I don't know, we have a barbecue at home, we invite people around who will get on with each other, who will add something to the party, won't sit in a corner doing nothing. And I think that sense of hubbub and excitement is is really important in the culture of what we do. So we're looking for people who really want to be part of what we do, who believe it, who have the professional skills. They have to have the professional skills, but there's more than that. Because it's not a generic delivery, it requires agility and, I guess, the street smarts to engage and be part of a small team. I really look for talent and a sparkle. And, and many of my colleagues, we're very fortunate, have figured out who we are. As you say, it's not known by everybody what we're doing. Um, really understood the direction we're taking and perhaps look for a fit beyond the generic. And we have the same with the specialists we have on site. As I mentioned earlier, we have 50 specialists, leaders in their field in a large industry. And it's not enough for, for those specialists just to say, well, I'll, I'll, I don't mind being at Vista Motion. No, they've got to want to do it and be part of that energy, bring something to the party, and we can share each other's stories and, and each other's successes. Building a relationship with the employees, uh, and as you say, the the other uh, industries that are, are on site there, it is obviously important. How, how can you achieve that when, when you've got so many staff on the books? Because trust you touched on that already. Trust is absolutely crucial. I've got to believe you. If I want to work for you, I've got to believe you. I think that it's about building an organisation that has those values. It's easy to pay lip service. And we've all read the strap lines of companies that transform the world and um, you know look after the customer, all of that sort of thing. But it needs to be beyond the strap line. It has to be uh, lived and breathed. And I think... The key really is to, is to ensure those first few steps of building a team are completely solid. So we're looking for A-grade people. A-grade people hang out with A-grade people and, and hire A-grade people. If you're not A-grade, then perhaps 
uh, I read a little paper on this recently that perhaps they, they hire B-grade people who maybe hire C-grade people and, and then there's an unravelling. Um, I'm not saying there's, there's not a, a place for that kind of organisation. It's just not what we can do because we're a small, close-knit team. You know, we rely on each other and it works so much more efficiently if... You know, you have somebody who who wants to be there. The, the old expression, a volunteer is worth 10 pressed men, is absolutely true. And that's been our experience over the last 10 years. Tell us about the opportunities that you have specifically for, for young people at Bista Motion and Bista Heritage. I mean, in the, the realms of apprenticeships, work experience, internships, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a passion of ours too. And when I wrote the business plan 10 years ago, we talked about that in that business plan about knowledge capture and knowledge transfer. Um, the industry we work in is ripe for welcoming um, youngsters. And there are lots of components um, from a BISTA motion perspective, that, that R&D and innovation side through to BISTA heritage, which is very much focused on the historic side. There are no shortage of opportunities. So uh, I think last year we saw 2,000 school leavers um, talking about careers. So we did that through a charity that we founded called Starter Motor, which is really allowing those youngsters to see a different side of accepted industry. Now, it might look like lots of you know old cars being driven around and it's all very, very nice and neat and, and fun. But if you look beyond, I guess, the first impression, we have manufacturing, we have design, we have uh, travel, uh, we have accounting and property development, and marketing, communications. There are a myriad industries that, uh, or, or transferable skill sets that make up our industry. So that is a real focal point and we're looking to do more of that and actually pick up that way of interacting with school leavers across the country through through Starter Motor. We have a great specialist on site called the Heritage Skills Academy. They marched forward five or six years ago and set up the only off-qual accredited apprenticeship scheme for historic skills. That had you know, humble origins, seven students who came to site to, to work and be taught. Now we have over 150 students, um, apprentices being trained on site through that scheme operated by Heritage Skills Academy. So it, it has a, a really significant impact on our industry. And, and it, of course, it's nice to do. And it's great to see the youngsters. And, and they will come to appreciate the campus setting they've worked on. And in years to come, they will be the alumnus program. They, they will be they will be them running the industry. So you, you, you've, you've actually seen from, the, if you like, the humblest of beginnings, careers blossom from, from a start, as you've just Completely. About uh, one of the uh, year one, year two students five or six years ago is now an engine builder for um, a company that specialises on pre-1931 Bentleys. And there's a specialism for you. Um, and they're now manufacturing parts for Bentley Motor Company. So, you know, we, we've seen that startup flourish. That's gone from uh, a one-man band to seven people. They're, they're really at the cutting edge. And, and those success stories are a real pleasure to see. But there are some facts, you know, underlying all of that, that the industry has world-class experts, but... Predominantly, they tend to be one-man bands and perhaps th that road to apprenticeship, which they might have enjoyed, has been difficult until the last few years. And so 
our mission is to facilitate that knowledge capture, that knowledge transfer, so that these skills can be reignited and passed on. And, and back to the, the the leadership thing, can can you spot a future leader at the apprenticeship stage? One of these. Uh, sort of enthusiastic school kids that have come and seen, as you described it, a lot of cars moving around on a day trip from school. Can you actually spot the leader there or or do they emerge over time in these apprenticeships? I don't think there's any hard and fast rule. There are certainly people on the course, uh, and I was listening to one a couple of weeks ago, we, we passed by the course with some American guests who were interested in how we were doing things over here. And he sort of stepped up and held them for without boring them which is always a good thing just <laughs> saying enough and he he could measure that but he funnily enough had trained um in digital media so he'd had some some training in that but the world is full of extroverts who've been successful but also introverts who've been successful and you know i, I think one shouldn't look for the stereotypes judge a person on their, their output um, and their abilities to build a team and to lead. Um, and so I think those are very different styles, but both work in the in the appropriate circumstances. Let's uh, bring in Oxleps Communications Manager, Rob Panting, into the conversation. Rob, uh, good to talk to you. What are Oxleps doing to support the, the leaders of tomorrow? Thanks, Howard, and thanks to, to Dan as well, firstly, really fantastic to hear the work that's that's going on in your neck of the woods. From our perspective, we're always looking to evolve our business offer and our business support programs, recognising that leadership is a, a real key thing for all businesses, of course, but I think in particular for, for the small businesses that we predominantly support, it's big for them. We gather intelligence quite often from our business community and our most recent impact report that we coordinated last year showed around about 20% of businesses that got in touch with us wanted to improve their leadership. Again, this is predominantly small businesses that we that we work with, but it's been identified as a significant area of support that's needed. So subsequently, we continue to evolve our offer. We've coordinated a number of peer network groups in the past, which brings together business leaders to discuss common opportunities, common challenges and difficulties that businesses face. Um, we run a number of sessions around um, supporting uh, women in business as well. So helping to identify those female leaders of tomorrow. So it's it's a big part of our work. And in particular, I think post-COVID, we've noticed there's a, a real rise in, in that um, requirement. Is investment needed to ensure we have good leaders? Yes. I, I think, I mean, really going back to, to what I was just saying in terms of small businesses, time to hard for small businesses and any opportunity that they can find to access support like Oxleps, which is essentially free support for uh, for those businesses is is critical. That said, there, there are of course other ways in which you can evolve as a business, as a business leader. Uh, and I think for small businesses in particular, identifying the need for uh, that type of support you know, it's a first step, but then finding that support is is critical. And that's where I think organisations like Oxap come in to, uh, to hopefully make a big difference. Dan, picking up on what Rob's saying there, I mean, how do external organisations like Oxlep support your local recruitment strategy and ultimately find you the leaders of tomorrow? Well, organisations like Oxlep are absolutely critical to the, the business landscape because particularly when you have small businesses moving fast, but also those bigger businesses, finding some where, where your stories resonate and you can share experiences, but also be promoted and, and feel some sort of endorsements that 
if you like, promotes, amplifies our business missions are really, really important to us. And Oxfordshire is a, you know, a very varied landscape from rural to technology and innovation and old skills. And I think it's a unifying factor to have a focal point that has a voice and, and visibility that, that helps us all create strong businesses and indeed recruit the leaders of tomorrow and, and give them the opportunity to climb the ladder and lead the way. Rob, share some examples of good practice that you've you've seen in this area? Yeah, I mean, there's many good examples, I think, of, um, of businesses that we've supported uh, over over many years now. I, I guess picking up on a point that Dan made, which is quite interesting around, uh, we're almost talking about entrepreneurship uh, and actually the business leaders of tomorrow taking control of their own destiny. And I, and I think that we found that there weren't many positives off the back of COVID, but one of those positives perhaps was those people with ambitions of becoming leaders. And Dan was talking about creating cultures, people really taking the ball by the horns and developing their own small businesses that hopefully grow into larger businesses that have a culture that they are happy with and that they lead with and they can build their teams accordingly. I was doing a bit of reading beforehand and uh, interestingly, last year, so uh, 2022, there was uh, 750,000 new businesses registered in the UK, which I think was only second to the year prior to COVID, if memory serves me right. People will Google that and probably say I'm incorrect, <laughs> but um, certainly the seven seven fifty thousand figure is correct for 2022, which I think demonstrates people wanting to create businesses of their own making, of their own culture, and a business that they are very happy to lead and recruit into. So there's certainly, I think, great examples. Um, as I say, there's there's many that we could name that we've worked with, but many great examples of businesses who are looking to create you know, a culture and, and ultimately a, a leadership that um, that people will buy into. Dan, Motion has a very interesting approach, uh, picking off your, your website here, focusing on the past, present and future of mobility across its heritage, innovation, experience and wilderness quarter. I love the wilderness. Bit of wilderness out there. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> is there a high level of staff training associated with the different roles at the organisation, including leadership of course yeah i mean i think there you know charity begins at home so having chosen the right colleague hopefully then it giving them exposure to all of the decision making processes and allowing them to, to participate in all the decisions that are made and whether that is creating the planning permission proposal for uh, a zone or talking to business other business leaders showing visitors what we do and allowing them to present is really a great way of empowering and maturing those skills and that intuition. Of course, there are courses and programs and we're, we're very supportive of that. But to imbue our colleagues with, with, our, with our culture and our values, the best way is to involve them. But I, that also requires support and having uh, an HR function that can really listen and support, guide, allow, I guess, a listening post to the opportunities that we might be missing, but also the concerns is really, really important. And that really feeds in into the culture. Rob, are we doing enough to create good leaders in this country? They've certainly had more than their fair share of challenges over the last couple of years. A personal view, not necessarily Oxap's view. I, th I think we can always do more. 
I think there has been, as you rightly touch on, a huge change in the way businesses operate uh, in the past few years. You know, it's very much a, an employee's market now. People are looking for for job roles that suit them and companies that align with, with their culture. I think probably maybe 10, 15 years ago, you looked at the job opportunity first versus the culture of a, of a company. Therefore, there are, I think, there's a need for business leaders to understand that being a business leader now versus maybe 10, 20 years ago is very different. And you need to be switched on to probably what employees are looking for. Therefore, the, the support remains key for, for leaders. The peer support that we mentioned earlier on, I think, is a particularly important one. Um, understanding what business leaders are like from different sectors and how those, how that leadership might transfer into your business or your sector is a good way of learning. And certainly the evidence that we've picked up and, and understood from from the support that we've given, particularly in the last three or four years, has demonstrated that. Leaders obviously are there to help elicit change. Dan, you've, you've touched on that as well. You've got some uh, expansion plans, of course, uh, where you are in Bista. How many jobs do you anticipate creating and, and particularly for young people? Well, as I mentioned earlier, we have uh, 500 people working on site at the moment. That refers to the... Uh, Mr. Heritage, the Heritage Quarter, but that only sits on around 5% of the site we have. So I think we could potentially provide jobs for thousands of people. We have great support from the District Council and the, and the County Council to bring forward our plans really to do service to the knowledge economy. The, the idea of the Oxcam Arc, the knowledge corridor, um, is is really live in our minds to to be part of that and and to be effective there um to lead i suppose um it really relies on the ability to recruit bright people who really want to be involved in that transformation it relies on the infrastructure and the support that we get from not just uh, the councils but oxlep we're on a mission and we're happy to be part of that leadership pack, but we're not the only story in town and we're really enjoying being part of a broader story. And Bista is on its own journey too. Um, for a long time, the focus for technology and innovation has been Oxford, Oxford City, and, and rightly so, but the opportunity is now bigger than just the city centre. It is for all um, and it will allow many people, many families to access a trajectory which is really thrilling and and, uh, and that's not just about Oxfordshire but that's about the country as a whole in our post-Brexit environment, our post-Covid environment, is there is a thrilling story to be told uh, and we're looking forward to leading our part of the charge. Just picking up on, on Rob's point about the prospective employees wanting to bring their own culture to, to work uh, and align with a business that they feel they, they would fit with. W what are you doing to educate the workforce about more sustainable vehicles given um, that they're rising in accessibility and popularity i guess obviously with, you talk about 1931 bentleys will, will there be a, a classic car petrol market in 15 20 years well um, i can report that already on the pump we have a renewable fuel uh, sustainable fuel which is made from 80 percent waste products so Fuel will exist just in a different form, and, and the, the problem is not the engine, it's the fuel that goes in. So that problem is being solved. We have 
a really exciting specialist on site um, called Zero. Now they have an exclusive deal with the RAF to create sustainable net zero aviation fuel. Uh, they've also just signed with Rolls-Royce. Um, so those changes are not the future, they're here and now, it's happening. Uh, and it's really very exciting. Personally, I, I walk to work or cycle to work and, and have done pretty much my whole career. So I think that we all take a personal responsibility to preserve our futures and to be part of that, that broader community story. Dan and Rob, thank you both for the moment. We'll chat again shortly. It's good to have you along for Ox Talks, the podcast powered by the Oxfordshire Local Enterprise Partnership and sponsored by leading national law firm Mills and Reeve. If you want to get in touch with the team at Oxlep to comment on what you've been hearing, find us on social media. We are on X at Oxfordshire Lep or via LinkedIn. Search for Oxfordshire Local Enterprise Partnership. Perhaps you run a company or organisation that's looking for some specific help or simply need a steer to the most appropriate business advice available. Why not try the Oxlep Business Support Tool? Oxlep's business support tool is here to help your company. Whether you're just starting out, growing or ready to take on a new business challenge, if you're looking for the latest advice and support, complete our business support tool today and get set to receive a bespoke action plan for your organisation. Head to oxlepbusiness.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking for high quality, tailored legal advice in Oxfordshire? At Mills and Reeve, we're passionate about supporting the community and strive to keep local work local through our expertise, contacts and international network from our Oxford office. Our experience is vast, spanning areas such as commercial, corporate law, finance, ESG, employment, family, private client and planning. We can achieve more together. To find out how we can help you, get in touch at www.mills-reeve.com. Let's chat more to Dan Gagan from Bista Motion and Bista Heritage in Oxfordshire. Dan, let's look at improving the skill levels of your workforce and wider impacts like well-being and mental health. The modern workplace utilises a wide range of skills and that list is constantly growing. What are the core skills you're helping your employees to learn and develop? I think part of that is helping them understand what they want. And post-COVID, I think lots of people are, are reconsidering what they're doing, why they're doing it, who they're doing it for, uh, where they're going to do it and for how much and how much of the time. So I think that's an open conversation that's, uh, that we have and we're beneficiaries of people being on the move. And well, I guess that onboarding process is, is really important to try and get our message across and go on that journey together to make sure the fit is right. And that, that right fit is, is absolutely critical to our business. Once on board, Pathway professionally is, is fairly clear because we have a number of key projects. Uh, we have a number of chartered surveyors on the team and, uh, and various professionally qualified people who have been on their own career path and imparting that that runway to our colleagues and, and sharing that expertise is, I, I think, the way it should be. It should come from within. Um, we do absolutely uh, look at training courses and uh, professional HR assistance. 
But I, I think that where we've become good at choosing the right people and growing them with the organisation. Rob, the well-being of staff ultimately falls upon the boss's head. How is that managed at Oxlep? I would like to think that Nigel, our chief executive, would say very well. I think there's a, again, speaking from an Oxlep perspective, because we're quite a small and agile organisation, around about 30 to 35 members of staff at any one time, there's a, a culture that we're all supportive of each other. I, I think also more widely in terms of the well-being of all staff, which the leader benefits from, people that listen to the podcast, Previously, we'll recall that we moved to a four-day working week pilot in April, and we see that as a, a way of supporting people's well-being, ensuring that they're well-motivated when they come back to work on a, on a Monday morning, they get the relevant and required rest. Rest is just important to performing well in the workplace. There's other benefits as well in terms of usage of flexi time, and which, which all companies will, will ultimately have. And I think touching on a point that we mentioned earlier on, it's, a, it's an employee's market. So actually making sure equally for, for leaders as much as the, the rest of your staff team, recognising the benefits that are available within a company are really important. And, you know, business leaders move, and I'm sure that they're looking at what culture they're buying into as well. So, you know, well-being remains very important for Oxep. And, and I think, again, picking up some of the previous points, particularly post-COVID, if a business isn't already switched on to wellbeing, then really they probably should be at this point. Who looks after the chief executive, Dan, at your place? I mean, you, potentially, joking aside, you're going to have more stress than many others in the organisation. So who is caring for your well-being and, and mental health? Well, I've got a great team around me uh, and we've got a great board. So my board of directors have, by and large, been on working with, with me on this project, for most of them for 10 years. So they've come on the journey. The telephone always gets answered. So when we have to discuss, I guess, getting some soundings on some some ideas, it's uh, really useful. And we have that structure on a monthly basis. So we have a board call and then in-person meetings every three months. The colleagues I work with, um, I think, are all very respectful and supportive. And, you know, we all have our challenges around childcare and trying to be in certain places at certain times and, of course, illness. So... We have a culture which I think is respectful of the freedoms that we have. And again, through selecting a team that has the same values, that has never been an issue for us. But also we have a great environment. It is a campus. You know, it's green, lots of trees, historic buildings. You can bring your dog to work or borrow one from another colleague. Um, <laughs> and I see that every week. It'll be almost a mismatch between the dog and the person because somebody is taking somebody else's dog around the site for a walk. So creating a great place to work is the beginning of I guess, that, that foundation and selecting those values that really are part of the company's DNA makes for a bright future. So your employees have the opportunity to undertake volunteering, extracurricular activities uh, and support their well-being and give back to the local community too, I believe. Yeah, we, we have quite a lot going on, really. I think the RAF, who predate us back to early last century, so 1917, um, we're always part of the, the local landscape. And uh, we, we seem to have picked up some of that. So we uh, we see the, the triathletes and the cycling club and cross-country runners and all sorts of activities helping 
the site come to life in a, in a different way. We have broadened our events reach to be not just automotive, but to to be more encompassing of the locality. We support charities in the in the locality, which are you know personal to us. So if, if we've got a colleague who says, "Well, my son is playing football for the the Bicester Colts," can can we get some support for the kit? Then we'll willingly do that, and it creates a a sense of involvement and depth and link, which is beyond just box ticking from an ESG perspective. So we're really like authentic activity. And today um, you saved me from um, being military fit. So there is an outdoor activity of exercise, which again, great team building stuff that happens every week. That might have been good for your well-being. (laughs) It is. I hit the gym this morning, so that was okay. (laughs) And And I guess there's a serious point there when you ask about who looks after the CEO. And I think it's important for us all to have a professional view on you know, how we look after ourselves, mm. uh, what we eat, how we get exercise, how we wind down. And that leisure side, that life balance, you know, it's really difficult in any world, let alone the modern world with so much going on and being thrown at us. But it's r- really important to, to try and find that, that rhythm and you know, being able to uh, work outside with a, with a fitness trainer on a you know, three, 400 acre uh, RAF station is, is a great thing to talk about in the evening. Brilliant. Rob, tell us about the career and enterprise company work that Oxlep is involved with. Yeah, it's, it's actually picking up on a, a topic that Dan mentioned earlier on in terms of inspiring the, I guess, not just the leaders of tomorrow, but the employees of tomorrow. We're, we're very lucky in Oxfordshire to have a real range of strong sectors, uh, a variety of sectors. So Dan's place of work is a real champion of automotive, visitor economy as well. Our uh, Oxfordshire Careers Hub have created a, a number of initiatives, one being Teacher Encounters, which aims to provide information to teachers across the county in terms of what businesses we have on our doorstep and and in turn the opportunities that uh, await young people in the county. So we are taking teachers into those workplaces and linking them up with professionals across those industries and and hopefully those teachers can go back and and tell young people look, you know, these are the brilliant career opportunities that await you in in Oxfordshire. Um, And it's not just that side of work, but also a number of other face-to-face initiatives, uh, including Careers Fest, which is probably our biggest event uh, of the year. Again, similar to um, what Dan just mentioned in terms of bringing young people into the workplace and, and showing what they've got. We work with, I think, for the last event, around about 80 to 85 employers range of sectors, hands-on experiences for young people to see what's available to them. So hopefully some really good leaders of tomorrow will will emerge from that type of engagement. That must be music to your ears, though, because that, that access to find the next generation is crucial. Yeah, it, and it's our problem because the future is our problem. You know, there are children. and But beyond problem, it should be an opportunity. And we take great excitement, great thrill, great pleasure in seeing people succeed, whether that's our specialists or our colleagues. And so our job is to enable success and to really grow people and to enjoy their successes. It's it's a real pleasure. And why would it be any other way? And, and that leadership, while somebody's on a particular rung of the ladder, it doesn't mean they can't be a leader. And it doesn't mean those ideas are not worth listening to. And so I think that Leadership really is about 
allowing the space to express and engage in the organisation. And it becomes a great pleasure then to see what transpires from that. And we have one colleague who said, listen, you know, we, we've got 350 trees, we've got a wilderness quarter, why don't we grow our own trees? You know, can we, can I get a greenhouse? Can I? Who wants to get involved? And you know, where do I get the pots from? And that's an initiative that you know happened this year, and um, it was great fun to see it go. on. somebody has really taken the charge. Uh, it's and, the passion again, isn't it? You, you've got like-minded people with with a passion, and uh, it, it can only be a good thing. We've got a couple of questions from our social channels, uh, Dan. How important is it for CEOs to share leadership responsibilities? Does this also allow greater opportunities for others within the business too? Yeah, I would say critical. I mean, one of the great complaints or criticisms, observations even of entrepreneurs is that they keep everything close and don't build an organization and don't hand over the keys. That's something I'm very conscious of, building that organization so that I can step back and share the responsibilities. But I also have to look to my shareholders. You know, if, I, if I'm incapacitated or not here for whatever reason, then what happens? happens to the organization and having it operate in a self-centered way doesn't help anybody. It's more stress, there's more glory if it, if it goes well, but we, we like to share our organization and I'm more than happy to listen and to hear the ideas and a very successful entrepreneur came to see me a couple of years ago and he said, you know, I never learn anything by talking and I think that's uh, quite a good adage. We're enjoying you talking there. So we're learning lots uh, from you. <laughs> Another question from our socials. Is leadership taught or in fact a natural talent that some people just possess? Probably a bit of both. And I think the, the, the really important thing is to for us all to be in places where we feel confident that there is opportunity, we're supported and our natural skills will come to the fore. And you know, my father said, uh, you know, I, I don't really mind what you do, but just enjoy what you do. And then there's a, a possibility that that will flourish. And so we all have to go on our own journey to figure out what it is, why we're here and where we want to work and who with. And that's really the, the bedrock to success. Is it taught or is it just something you can do, Rob? I think ultimately, again, personal view, not Oxlap's view, probably slightly more you, you want to be a leader. But I think you're constantly evolving, constantly learning. Dan's absolutely right. I think not just leaders, but for any person in the workplace listening is very very important not just absorbing people's ideas and suggestions but evolving your own character and your own professionalism i think it, it's critical that you do that you do listen and also you know it's not just in the in the world of, of business we're all influenced by other external factors whether that be sport exercise reading a good book you know all all of those Moments of inspiration, I think, form your, your your leadership credentials. And, you know, I, I, for one, try and absorb as much information as as possible. If I have if I become a, a leader in the future, I think certainly it would have been a rounded journey that I would have uh, entertained. Let's get some final thoughts from you, Dan, if we may. Given your personal and business successes and, and all you've learned along the way, if you were to meet your younger self, what advice would you give him? I think um, listening more. Is a good thing because being very confident is, is a positive, but there is a lot to learn out there. And I think also bringing on help sooner. So having started a few businesses, 
of course, it's um, you know a, a, an incredible experience to start something and see it grow. But in that excitement and rush and busyness, sometimes, well, not sometimes, I think the lesson I've learned is that getting some support early helps that business grow and I guess be a better place to be in those early years. Was that sort of, if you like, ego stopping you asking for help or what was just, it? That... Just too busy. Too busy. Just too busy because uh, there's really so much, so much going on. And I remember somebody asking me, you know, what keeps you awake at night? And in a flash, I said excitement. And it was true. You get up in the morning, you're on a mission. It's it's great. But the ability just to, to stop and say, right, you know, let's take a snapshot here of where we're at and how we get to the next piece is sometimes you just get, you know, knocked down in the rush. And it has that also has its benefits because there's an immediacy and the business is growing. But tooling up is is probably um, and getting help is is really key i remember somebody saying to me once oh you work really hard you got your head down you're running re really quickly but where are you running to is that a part of the problem as well that you don't see what you're trying to achieve i, I would say the opposite and right. um, so having that vision of knowing where you're going and that doesn't mean it's inflexible or it lacks agility because that's always being fine-tuned is what keeps me moving you know i've got to get there and so that's, I guess, the, as they say, on your own, you travel faster, together you travel further. And I think that's uh, something that we can all learn in business. So finally, to a, a young leader of tomorrow listening to this right now, what's the one key takeaway then that you can distill down from our conversation for them? Start. I think that's, you know, just start. If you have an idea, if you want to be successful in a, an existing organization, a professional career, making that first step. And then, you know, my experience is there's, there's no substitute for hard graft. I was looking at uh, an aviation company history record from around about the, the Second World War and their apprentices, they weren't judged on qualifications and how they did at school. They had four areas. And uh, the first area was timeliness. So, you know, be on time. The second area was presentation. Are you smart? Do you, you know, do you take some pride? Uh, thirdly, attitude. And fourthly, aptitude. And that's, I often think about that and uh, maybe from your own background, how it's about the metal of the person and I think hard work and determination, there's, there's no way around it. Um, so find something you like and, and really get on with it. Dan, amazing to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much. Dan Gagan from Bista Motion. And a big thank you also to Oxleps Communication Manager, Rob Panting too. And thank you for listening to Ox Talks, sponsored by leading national law firm Mills & Reeve. There are now a number of editions of Ox Talks available from where you normally get your podcasts. Check out some of my previous conversations, including with Makespace Oxford's Andy Edwards on repurposing unused buildings in the county. Tim Bestwick, Chief Technology Officer at the UK Atomic Energy Authority on transformative technologies. And Chaz Bouncher from Oxford University with his vision to retain world-class talent here in Oxfordshire. All well worth a listen. Please spread the word, tell your friends or colleagues about us, and if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. 
Feel free also to share your thoughts and suggestions on our socials. Plus, you can email your questions for inclusion in future editions too. Please use the email address in the podcast description. It's always good to get your input. Remember, business support in Oxfordshire is just an email or a phone call away. The Oxlet Business Support Tool can signpost you to expert help in a matter of minutes. It's definitely worth taking a look. Find it on our website, oxfordshirelep.com. But for now, from the whole Oxlep team and from me, Howard Bentham, it's goodbye.